Um, and I'm going to start with a chair. I thought it was like WWE or something. Hide, hide the metal chair. Um, <laughs> the uh, <clears throat> a couple years ago, two years ago, year ago, I don't know how long ago it was. Um, Abby and I've been working on um, painting chairs for our dining room table for like five years, set six years. Six years. Yeah, the first summer we lived in Oregon, we bought these chairs, and I primed them. And uh, then uh, five years later, last summer, I got them back out. Um, well, we've been using them the whole time, just primed chairs. I got them out, and I primed them again. And, uh, and then I got my paint sprayer out to paint them and realized that my paint sprayer was clogged. So I spent all the time that I had to paint them on unclogging my paint sprayer, and at which point I put everything back in its place and they still haven't been touched. So somewhere along those lines, we're like, hey, maybe we should buy chairs instead of uh, doing these these chairs ourselves and getting them you know, ready to go. And so we bought some metal chairs um, and they were really good looking chairs, okay? I mean, I, I loved them. They were this like bright aqua, I don't know, I love like color in a room, you know, just adding some bright color to a room. And so uh, imagine this was a much better looking chair than it is. This is the one we hide places because uh, it's got a little point there. Um, it's not the most comfortable thing in the world. So we get these beautiful chairs out, right? And, and I sit down in these beautiful chairs, these beautiful metal chairs, and this happens. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> it was like there's this slope. You literally have to like clench your bottom muscles to stay up in these things, right? And as soon as you relax, <laughs> and uh, and we were like, well, let's talk to our friends about these chairs. And uh, some friends come along. Oh yeah, I really like these are beautiful chairs. Uh, and and there's wonderful. What the? <laughs> there's these slippery slide, slip and slide chairs. And uh, <clears throat> I was like, suddenly the fact that they were really good looking didn't seem to matter a whole lot. <laughs> it's like, it's, you know, you never really, you take the purpose of a, tra of a chair for granted until it doesn't meet that purpose, right? Like, oh yeah, the chair actually needs to serve this function of being able to sit in it. Um, because when you go through it, like you just take that for granted, right? If you were buying a chair through a catalog, you wouldn't think to yourself, I wonder how many of these chairs don't work. <laughs> like, how many of these chairs will I not be able to sit in? Uh, but that's a really important part of the chair, actually, whether or not it works. So I was thinking about psalms. We're going to do uh, three psalms between, between now and, and uh, my sabbatical. Um, this week, Psalm 16 that we read, we read twice already. And I think a lot of times we focus uh, – let me fly through here real quick. We focus on the psalm and its beauty – a lot of times, or we'll focus on, uh, in a lot of my history of being preached to about Psalms, we'll like pick like one line out of the Psalm as that's really beautiful. And we'll kind of like go from there. Right. Where, um, what I want to do is I want to illustrate the purpose of each Psalm, right? The, the, the life purpose, the kind of purposeful message that each Psalm is, uh, is teaching. And, Psalm 16 is a really wonderful psalm filled 
with purpose for our life. Um, they're all wonderful, but and they're all filled with purpose. So I guess what I just said doesn't mean anything. Um, <laughs> but it, it's got this beautiful purpose that I want to just kind of illustrate for you and, and bring out and, um, and talk about. So it's a, a psalm of David, and uh, we, you know, a lot of psalms are psalms of David. And so when, when we go to those psalms, we think, um, we might think about David's life and kind of David's struggles and some of the things that David goes through. And that's all really good and right. So this, this passage says, you know, you're, the Lord is my cup and my portion and stuff like, uh, I have nothing good apart from the Lord. The Lord, I've always set him in front of me. He's ever before me. Um, these things that maybe we might read and we might think are specific to David and, and his life. And that's probably true. But in certain Psalms and in a lot of Psalms, uh, what becomes apparent when you read the New Testament is you find quotations of these psalms in the New Testament that give you a different sense of the purpose of those psalms. So last week um, we read Jesus' uh, cry from the cross, right? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know anybody, that's, that's Psalm 22, right? In Psalm 22 it also says, um, that the, uh, it says, and the, the soldiers, uh, cast lots for my clothes, which happens to Jesus while he's on the cross. So there's this Psalm 22, which is a Psalm of David, but it has these shadows that project forward on Christ and his experience, particularly on the cross. And so that when we as Christians look back on Psalm 22, we've got David as background for figuring out the purpose of Psalm 22. But we also have the life of Christ as purpose, as background for the purpose of Psalm 22. And I think the same is true about Psalm 16, that actually if you go looking, you can find a, a very lengthy quotation of Psalm 16 in the New Testament. This is Acts chapter 2. Peter is teaching um, on uh, the day of Pentecost, and there are uh, many, many uh, Israelites who have come from all over the Mediterranean world who speak all sorts of different languages, and they come, and Peter stands up, I, I believe in the temple, he stands up, and he begins to preach, and each person, no matter where they're from, can hear Peter speaking in their own language. And what Peter begins to do is he begins to vindicate Jesus, Right? Now, I would encourage you, if you're ever out there sharing the gospel, don't pull from Peter's Pentecost sermon unless you're speaking to a Jew because it's about the Jews. And here's how Jesus fulfills our story as Jews, as Israelites. Here's how Jesus fulfills our identity as a people. And he goes to Psalm 22 or Psalm 16. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all these numbers mixed up. He says, you that are Israelites, listen to what I have to say. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with deeds of power, wonders, and signs that God did through him among you. As you yourselves know, this man handed over to you according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of those outside the law. But God raised him up, having freed him from death because it was impossible for him to be, to be held in its power. For David says concerning him, this is the beginning of, of Psalm 16, the quotation, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand so that I will not be shaken. 
Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh will live in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One experience corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put one of his descendants on his throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of, of that all of us are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you both see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, I will let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. This Jesus whom you crucified. And so that the meaning of the psalm, the purpose of the psalm for Peter is to say Jesus is this. This psalm is about him. Jesus fulfills this psalm. That God made a promise to David. David wrote some of that promise down in Psalm 16. And God fulfilled that promise in Christ and who Jesus is. So that when we read Psalm 16, we can paint an image of who Jesus is with Psalm 16. And it's really consistent with what we find uh, other places in the New Testament. right? So that Psalm 16, um, it ends with, with, you have made known to me the ways of life. You have made known to me the ways of life. Uh, in Colossians, maybe I should look it up because I'm going to, Abby and I have not been getting much sleep again lately. And so recalling things from memory have not been my uh, strong suit when I'm tired. <laughs> so I'm going to actually look it up. Colossians chapter 2, the beginning. Paul says um, <clears throat> in the Colossians, he says in starting in verse 1, I want you to know how much I am struggling for you and for those in Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face. I want their hearts to be encouraged and united in love so that they may have all the riches assured uh, of assured understanding and have the knowledge of God's mystery. That is Christ himself in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So when I read that, I think about Psalm 16. You have made known to me the ways of life. I don't claim that for myself. I claim that for Jesus. 
that God, if I'm looking for the way of life, I look to Jesus. And if, Jesus, if somebody's going to counsel me, if somebody's going to show me the way of life, Jesus is going to do that. Jesus is the one who has had the way of life made known to him. All the wisdom, all the mystery of God is in him, revealed to him. And so then I, when I put my faith in him, I look to him for these answers. I look to him for the way of life. I look to him for joy and gladness. I look to him for his presence. Now the psalm is, uh, is about finding our way of life in God, right? That David, for him, he's, he's sketching out this vision of God's promise, this promised life with God where it's made known to him, too. The way of life is made known. I don't know about you, but like that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> I have the way of life made known. Finding my way of life in its fullness. But the question then is, how do, we, how do we do that? How do we get to this place where we, in Christ have this kind of faith that Paul talks about in Christ where, where we can find the mystery of God, we can find all wisdom and understanding hidden in him, where he's our good shepherd has been put in our path. As it says in the psalm, you are ever before me. How do we do that? What does that look like? What does that look like? Connecting my ideas this morning, I, I, hope, I hope I'm making this clear. But the way we do that is by um, putting Jesus always before us. If the way of life and all the understanding and wisdom of God is hidden in Christ then how do we put that before us? We put Christ before us. I've kind of taken a really complicated path of getting there, but that, that's my sermon. Put Jesus before us. That's, what, that's all I'm trying to point out. That's the purpose. Just like the, the purpose of the chair is to sit in it, the purpose of Christian faith is to put Jesus before us. I hope you weren't hoping for some big reveal, right? Kind of, kind of the same point all the time. The purpose of the psalm, in the hands of Christ, in the hands of the Spirit, the purpose of the psalm is to put Jesus before us. So, how do we do that? Though, is a different question. And so, I'm, I'm not gonna, I don't know, I'm not here to be filled with flowery speech or, I don't know, go crazy or anything. I, I just have a couple of really, really practical, simple, doable things for putting Jesus in your path, keeping Jesus ever before you, me keeping. These are some of the things that, when, that I try really hard to strive for, to put Jesus in my path. Because the reality is I'm going to walk, right? You're going to walk your life. You're going to walk the, the way of life. The question is, um, 
is is Jesus going to be at our side in that? Are we going to, and maybe he will be, you know, that, uh, the whole like wonderful poem about the, the footprints poem about, you know, looking back and seeing two sets of footprints and then life gets hard and you just see the one set of footprints and Jesus is like, well, that's when I carried you. Um, I don't know that I'm losing my train of thought, but the point being, it's that relationship. Will I be attuned to Christ's presence? Will I set him before me rather than taking him for granted being at my side? Sort of like I take for granted the purpose of the chair. Will I take for granted the purpose of my Christian faith? Or will I remember that the purpose is to walk life with Christ and that that life will never end? And so I I suggest to you uh, just a few things. Um. I really, I've, I've, pre- I've preached for a couple of months now, really, about humility and about how when we humble ourselves before Christ, he exalts us, he picks us back up. I, I'm just a gigantic believer in the heart of a disciple never going away, that I am always, I am always called to make prayers of confession to Christ. I think these are like daily things. These are, are things that you can do, really short things to just kind of reset your attention on Christ so that you can say, I'm trying to set him ever before me, right? So things like you are the way of life. That is a confession of who God is. And now a confession of who I am. I need you. You are the way of life and I need you. It's a simple way to just kind of pray the psalm over your life. To integrate the psalm into a confession. these moments of opening ourselves up, of kind of creating like a sacred space of prayer can happen anywhere, anytime. But I do think that it's, it's important to have these moments every day. Another idea is uh, for a prayer of confession. Today I open my eyes and heart to what you'd like to teach me. I was taught this a really long time ago, but whenever I read the Bible, um, sometimes I actually I say it without thinking, and that's be that's not the point, right? But I I say this this prayer before I read the Bible every time. Lord, open my eye my eyes and my heart to your Scripture and what you'd like to teach me today, right? And I again I'll, I'll say that and not mean it, <laughs> right? That just happens. But the the hope is that I'll say it so that I'll mean it, right? So it'll wake me up, like oh yeah, Jesus, I'm looking for you. I'm here for you. I want I want to learn from you. I want you to be my shepherd. I want you to be my way of life. I want you to be right beside me in this moment. I don't want to just read scripture and take away from, from it whatever I want to take away from it. I don't want to just walk my own way of life. I, don't, I want to find you in this moment, in this scripture. I want you to be my shepherd. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be my God. I want you to be right there next to me. As I think that that is a crucial thing for us to do, often have these just moments, these prayers, these short Write your own sentence of, this is who I expect you to be, God. This is who I know you are, and I confess that, and this is who I am. I need you. I will humble myself in these moments. Another thing is, uh, you know, I don't talk a lot about, like, reading the Bible every day. Um, I should talk about it probably more than I do. And and part of that is because I know so many of you have told me about 
the shame cycle that you go through when you, you don't read the Bible. And I, I don't want to be a part of shaming you for not reading it. Um, but it is really crucial to our walk with Christ to pick up the scripture ourselves. Maybe, maybe you, you feel like you don't understand it. Maybe you feel like you're not good enough for it. Maybe you, maybe you just feel ashamed because you haven't done it in a really long time. When we have these times alone with God, it's important to make a confession of what that relationship is with Jesus. I come into times of sacred space with Jesus to say, I am here to learn. I confess that that's what I need right now. So many in the, in the, times of Jesus praying, um, he's asking for strength. He's asking for the Father to lead him. He's asking for the Father to set out his will for him. He's asking for the Father to teach him. He who didn't need to be taught, humbling himself. He who didn't need to be humble, humbling himself before God. Not a shameful humbling, but a humbling that comes from a trust and how God will react to us. Um, this psalm actually says this beautiful line about, I will bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also my heart instructs me. There's this sense that uh, David and Jesus have this relationship with God, where God is teacher, counselor, and that God comes to him through his heart in the middle of the night. For me, I, I think the, the special place where I feel uh, so open to God has always been running. Running being a, a, a prayerful thing to me. I just, it opens me up. You know, maybe for... For David, it was lying in his bed, which seems really helpful. Um, so you do that every night. But I wonder, like, what for you? What kind of time alone would allow you to come to God and say, I, I am here to learn? Where is your space? You know, I, I've told a lot of you this this in um, a, like one-on-one, but like, I, my dad woke up before everybody else every day, and he would he would read his Bible and pray. And, uh, and I went through this time where I was trying to get up early and, and lift weights so I could be a better runner. And, uh, and that only lasted for like a month at the most. And, uh, and I'd see my dad up and praying. And so when I, when I got married, um, I tried to do that, right? I tried to wake up early and I tried to pray and read the Bible and I fell asleep, <laughs> right? Because for me, it doesn't work that way. That's not my time. That's not how I open up. Right? So some, in some ways, the question has to be, who are, who are you? How has God made you? I think some people will look down on you if it doesn't look like you're sitting at a desk, the Bible open at a certain time of day, doing certain things. You know, but I think Scripture gives a much more broad and open kind of picture Right? 
where Jesus, you know, he's talking to the, the woman at the well, and she's like, this mountain or that mountain, where can we worship? And Jesus says, spirit and truth. So where can you get in this spirit? Where can you enter into this truth of your relationship with God? What kind of sacred space do you need in which you can say, I am here to learn from you, God? Carve that out. Carve that out. And, and another psalm says uh, that learning his law, learning his teaching, being taught by God is like being planted at the edge of a river. It's, a, it's good. It is truly and utterly good. Because he does not leave that humility that you offer him uh, empty. <laughs> he reaches his hand out and cares for us, teaches us, counsels us. Um, another thing that I want to just throw out there is uh, even Jesus has this pattern of time alone and time with his disciples and time alone and time with his disciples and time alone and time with his disciples. And if there's anything I've learned about being a parent, <laughs> it is that children make it extremely hard to have quality conversations and time with other Christian like people. <laughs> <laughs> like there's this season of life where it's just craziness and it can just be really really hard to have that that moment and yet it is crucial i think we 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 enter into this kind of the spirit of this this uh this relationship with god that psalm 16 is 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 describing it is crucial for us to have an an iron sharpening iron kind of relationship with one another but then it's also about the attitude you bring to those moments. So continuing in the attitude of humility that when we're with other Christians, can we share our burdens together? Can we ask questions? Um, I know that many of you have probably been in a Bible study where there was one person who didn't ask any questions and probably needed to. <laughs> right? That just happens. Maybe it's nerves. I've actually really, I think some people just get nervous and they can't stop talking and that, that happens. But how do we each make sure that we come into a time with other Christians where we are humble and we say, here's my burden and I need you. And I want to ask you questions because I believe that God is teaching you. I believe that God is instructing you in your sacred space. I believe that Jesus is shepherding you. And so I want to learn from you too. How can I learn? Okay. Last idea Many of you have heard me say this many, many times. In fact, I think I went through like a six-month period where I said this in like every single sermon. Um, in everything, prayer and study and time alone with God can happen all over the place, in everything, everywhere. It's all about entering into that spirit, entering into that truth, entering into that relationship, awaking yourself to that relationship, saying, I, I'm looking for you, God, in this moment. And that can happen anywhere and everywhere. Um, I highly encourage you, if you're interested in, in figuring out how to do that, um, reading, pra read Practicing the Presence of God by Brother Lawrence. It's a wonderful book about an, a monk who would worship Jesus while he's scrubbing floors and cleaning dishes, just inviting God. Where are you, God, in this? Where are you, God? Be present to me as I do these daily, every day 
monotonous things. The most beautiful time of prayer I've ever had in my life was for the the four months that I was the night manager at the Portland Rescue Mission. And every night I would do the the guys who slept in the in our shelter would bring their laundry, right? And I would do their laundry. And so anybody who slept in the shelter, um, we would do their laundry for them overnight. I mean, I wasn't sleeping at all anyway. Sure would have liked to have been sleeping, but um, uh, I'd staying up all night. And there's only so much you can do. We had two people in the room in the building, so we one guy would sit at the front desk and handle anything that was going on. The other one would go and do the laundry. And I'd do the laundry. And I had just read Brother Lawrence's book, and so I uh, I was doing this laundry these men that I was serving and I was supposed to love and care for and I was praying for them and I was finding that God was teaching me as I was praying over their laundry. <laughs> God was present to me in a way that I uh, it's really been very hard for me to replicate since then. So everywhere, everything, doing dishes, doing laundry, um, it's especially great during really bad things like having an argument with your spouse. Nothing will uh, check that, like saying in the middle of that, God, where are you? And he says, not with you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Developing a heart for putting him before us, putting Christ before us. Where are you? I hope, I, I don't know, I hope that these kind of suggestions are really practical. I hope they can be simple things that you can do um, Day in and day out, maybe that you're struggling to feel like that close-knit relationship with Jesus is there. That you you do not feel like you can say with confidence um, that the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Maybe you feel like you can't say that. Maybe you feel like you can't say, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I will keep the Lord always before me. Maybe you're not in a place where that's just not true. You just can't say it. I invite you to invite him to humble yourself. And say, I want you there before me always. I want you to show me this path of life that you've hidden in Christ Jesus. Maybe that's him calling uh, just a final word. Uh, when we lose our way, uh, this is this is such, I don't know, if you're anything like me, my relationship with Jesus goes through these big ups and downs, right? I'll go through these seasons of feeling very present, and then I'll go through these dark seasons too. And there's just kind of this, this cycle. And I, I, I'm kind of in this weird place now where I've like been a Christian for a long enough time that when I'm in the dark stages, I kind of expect that's not going to end. You know, like in my early 20s, it was like dark stage. There must not ever be anything after this. <laughs> like This is the end of all things. I'm kind of at this place where I have a lot more, I don't know, ability to see kind of the long term, but maybe, maybe you're not there. But I invite you to remember when we lose our way, when we stop putting Jesus before us, when we sin, when we do things that are obstructive to this kind of relationship that Psalm 16 is painting, 
to remember the image of Christ washing his disciples' feet. To confess in your heart that this is who he is, that he washes Judas' feet. He washes Peter's feet, even though Peter's going to deny him. Right? It's, too, it's too easy to, to win in those dark stages to turn God into uh, you know, the, the God up there looking down who wants nothing more than to beat, beat you up. But when we've given our lives to Christ, when we've put our hope in him, and we struggle, it's important to remember that what he wants more than anything, sure, God is a God of discipline. I'm not saying he's not that. But when I discipline my kids, it's, I'm not, it's not out of like, because it makes me feel good to discipline them. I kind of hate it. <laughs> it's because I desire to get back to that goodness with them. And I know that there's this bigger lesson that needs to be taught. So anyway, the point being that the heart of Jesus, the heart of who he is, is he wants to be back to that place of serving you. Don't hold yourself back from Christ because you're fr afraid to go to him. Remember that this is this character of God is the character of Christ. I love the line in this psalm, I have no good apart from you. I have no good apart from you. That in, in the arms of Christ is good. Somewhere else in the Psalms where it says he, he, never withhold good, he never withholds good things from those who serve him. And so keep this image of Christ and who he is ever before you. May this be true of us. May these kind of, this kind of relationship with a God who wants to be so close to us, God who wants to be ever before us, a God who wants to walk the way of life with us. May this relationship be founded, be um, strengthened, be carved out here, now, amongst each other. We're gonna, uh, I'm going to pray... And then we've actually got uh, about a two-minute slideshow of, uh, of Psalm 16 again. And uh, each, each slide kind of has like a picture to go along with it. Um, and and uh, it should, the slides are going to go by pretty slowly. So you can read it nice and slow. Think about the picture. But I invite you, if you, I don't care whether you like the slideshow or not. doesn't matter. What matters is your attitude. Now, I invite you to have an attitude that says, God, I want you to be before me now in this moment. Join me, because um, I need this as much as anybody. Join me in confessing who God is and who I am in relationship to him. Let us spend a few minutes humbling ourselves before him and trusting that he will exalt us by caring for us, by counseling us, by walking with us and showing us the path of life. So Tim is, is going to come and, and he's going to just play a little music in the background softly. Um, but let's first, let's just pray. <clears throat> Jesus, I uh, feel like I've been a little bit boring today. <laughs> um, I, I just pray that you your spirit would be felt and heard and known 
regardless of how entertaining I've been, regardless of, of how good or, or not good the music is or the, the, the um, whatever, I, I don't know, whatever other burdens, whatever, whatever distractions that I'm carrying, whatever distractions uh, we all are carrying, God, I, I just pray that you'd help us to set all of that aside and that we would just zero in on your character and your desire to have a deep relationship with us, a relationship with your son who will teach us, carry us and walk with us and show us the way of life that is hidden within him. God, draw us into that kind of presence. Help us to come up with different ways that we can just seek you in all kinds of moments, in the moments we struggle, in the moments we celebrate, and everything in between. We praise you that this is the God that you are. I thank you for the way that, that something so simple like your presence has seen me through deep, dark shadows and valleys. So be present to us now, Lord. Be ever before our eyes. Help us to toss off all that hinders and seek you now and you alone. You are our cup and our portion, and that is good. In Jesus' name, amen.